Hey guys and welcome to the 27th episode of Medici Podcast. I go about as Medici and in today's episode we've got Dan on the panel, the creator of Uptop Search, the Web3 talent community, bringing together builders and founders who are trying to create opportunities for everyone out there on the crypto market. Let's dive straight in and I hope you enjoy this episode. Hey guys and welcome to the live panel. I go about as Medici and today we've got Dan the creator of Uptop Talent Community, bringing builders and founders together. Welcome. My man, thanks for having me, brother. Appreciate the opportunity. Thank you very much. Appreciate your time as well. So jumping in, you know, it's kind of a tradition here. I ask everyone that comes on, what's your background? How did you get into Web3? Yeah, man, uh, good place to start for sure. Um, I mean, I run up top, which is a web three recruiting agency, right? So prior to starting my company, I was a recru recruiter in traditional markets or web two um, for about 10 years. And uh, most recently I was recruiting quants for high frequency trading and prop trading uh, shops. So if you're familiar with quants, um, you know, it's a form of, you know, uh, quant is basically to speak broadly, it's a, a a, a candidate who or, or a person who uses a combination of math science and uh programming skills to essentially scan the market for um ineff inefficiencies and find you know find find trades and there's a uh, a bunch of quant trading funds in crypto as well so my foray into the space was getting introduced to one crypto hedge fund that was looking to hire quants and you know the rest is history from there fair enough so you're kind of already there in the right place and then you yeah, create the sure. right time fair so what so then that pretty much inspired you because you found the gap in the crypto market and then you were like let me do this myself or yeah i mean the other kind of thing that was like pretty translatable was um when i was recruiting quants you know i learned how to do a, a very niche style recruiting where you um you know essentially are are forming really valuable relationships with these candidates and um, and kind of allowing them for, to try out for the teams they want to play for. So kind of like a sports agent model, right? Yeah. So uh, in a sense, my community was these quants. So I kind of had that background in building like a little community or a little brand for myself within a community and really took that and applied it within crypto and realized that, you know, everyone sort of thinks like that over here. And that's, it's a very uh, relatable relatable thing in the space uh it resonated well and um definitely worked uh, and do worked you really think, well and do you see that web 2 and web 3 kind of recruitment is similar or i know we're going to jump into this further in the podcast but i just want to know like is there big discrepancies between web 2 and web 3 style recruitment or not i mean honestly i do my recruiting much different than anyone does their recruiting in web 2 and web 3 so my short answer is there's not any difference between web two and web three recruiters, but there's a big difference between up top recruiting right. and both of those things. <laughs> well, we'll get into that. We'll get into the juicy parts uh, a little down the road here. So Hell before yeah. we get there, so who's on your team uh, right now? Yeah, so right now I got a team of five. Um, I had two co-founders, um, Marty Austria, who was working with me in my last job. Uh, my buddy Mike Mullen, who is actually a, fr a good friend of mine from college um, that really kind of believed in the vision from day one. Um, and then I have uh, Will Burleson, who sits down in Dallas. I hired him as a head of growth 
and what he's done has been really, really impressive um, and, and crucial to our business. He's built the Discord server for us, which is a place where we kind of aggregate our community and provide value you know, in other ways outside of the transactional nature of just recruiting. Um, and Will's also going out to other Discord communities and Twitter communities and building these partnerships and relationships um, so we can expand our reach like that. So Will's been a really uh, crucial hire. He's been head of growth, and he's also been kind of overseeing the internal community. And then um, lastly, most recently, we've hired Joe Zam, who is a young guy out of the UK who's going to be responsible for building our presence and our pipeline um, in the uh, EU area. So um, really excited about what Joe's already done in a short time with us and really excited about our clients like Wintermute, who are heavy out there in the UK, um, and excited for the next hire, which we'll eventually make um, when we find the right person, will be someone in Singapore. 100%. Amazing. So you guys are really scaling out there, and I think that's great. So I'd say you guys are managing the workload well, or is there still not enough kind of hands to juggle all the balls that are going on now? Um. You know, we try not to juggle too many balls, <laughs> uh, but sorry, man, I had to. But no, I mean, honestly, all my guys are killers. We're all doing great. Um, and I really, first of all, I believe in, I, I much rather want to keep a small team that's eating and making money and, 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 and stretching and stretching it out to the max capacity. Yeah. Um, but to be honest with you, we are performing right now to the, um, equivalent of any major recruiting companies yeah. like new york like for example i've worked for three or four of some some of the world's biggest recruiting companies in their new york office and the amount of deals that we're making every month even in a bear market is equal uh, or better than a, the new york office of some of the biggest staffing agencies that are around oh damn i, I did not expect that i think right now with the bear market there'll be kind of dried up liquidity, so less hires and such, but interesting to hear that as well. So how did the market respond or how is it going in terms of trends compared to, let's say, to a year ago? Because when did you start up top, essentially? Yeah, I started it in uh, August of last year. So definitely like yeah. right at the height of the last bull, bull run for sure. And there's definitely changes. I mean, there's definitely, it's, it's definitely not as easy today as it was, yeah. um, you know, when we first got in the game. But the reality is we we made five placements uh, in November while all the FTX stuff was going on. So we're still we still have a wide enough reach to find, you know, find wins in there. Um, and, yeah, I think it really speaks to the fact that we are so focused on DeFi. And I truly believe that DeFi right now is going to be the winner of this yeah. kind of talent market. Mm -hmm. So how do you gather all these people? What are you looking for? Or do they reach out to you mainly? Yeah, great question. I mean, it's definitely a combination. You know, I think uh, it's been it's been cool to see different members of my team mastering different platforms. Yeah. Um, so, you know, Marty and myself are classically trained recruiters. So we're have a presence on LinkedIn and know how to use that platform well. Mm. But we very much recognize that that's not the only place to find uh, to find talent. So, you know, Will's done a phenomenal job of, of finding talent within our Discord and, and other Discord communities. Yeah. And um, right now, 
Will and I are collaborating on building out some Twitter recruiting strategies, which I'm really, really excited about. I don't want to give away too much of the sauce on that, okay. but I will tell you that we're paying very close attention to Twitter. Okay, that's good. I mean, I don't know how the traffic is through LinkedIn. Are there, is it, are they more crypto native there or how are the people on that platform? I mean, I'm not so fond, nor am I an active user of LinkedIn. I'm more like a crypto guy, uh, Twitter guy, sorry. How is it there with the people that are interested in crypto? I mean, you know, uh, I'm also not such a fan of LinkedIn as I think most people that work in crypto are not either. But one yeah. thing I've noticed is um, there's a lot of people who, who don't have profiles or don't want to be found on LinkedIn. However, yeah. when they are looking for a job, <laughs> that's when they reactivate their profile and they do appear on LinkedIn. So believe it or not, you know, I've gotten engineers from Uniswap on LinkedIn. I've gotten an engineer from Solana on LinkedIn. Um, so, you know, when they're actually looking for new jobs, believe it or not, they do pay attention to that platform. And so what degree can you be undoxed at finding a job, for example, in this market, or do you actually need to dox yourself fully? I think this paradigm of everyone trying to stay undoxed, uh, in web three is also what makes it special that they say, you don't need to have a photo on their page. You can have like a punk or whatsoever. So how, how would you respond? Yeah, to that? I mean, that's cool. Like I, I love if you, if you have the NFT profile pick and it, it, it lets me know that you're, you know, that you're paying attention to certain projects and you're really about it. That's, that's dope. I love it. However, I'm not going to submit you to my client until yeah. you dox yourself to me because I just need to have that level of trust and understanding. Um, so yeah, you can stay undoxed. Uh, I'm still going to reach out to you for sure. But once we have that initial conversation, I'll ask you to reveal yourself just so I can have that trust that you're someone that I feel comfortable putting in the hands of my clients. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. Of course. Fair enough. So what does the process uh, for matching the job secret to the employer look like through up top? You know, it's for me, um, it's a very intuitive process um, because I think there's so much more to a hire than just matching keywords on a resume to keywords on a job description. Hmm. So really, you know, I've had people ask me that, that question before, and it's the a simple answer that I give, which is, you know, the question is, how do you match? How do you go about matching uh, candidates to clients? And I just say, you just really have to know your clients really well. Yeah. And you have to take the time when you're interviewing your candidates to learn what they're about and what their values are and, and, and what's important to them. And yeah. that will tell you everything you need to know. Mm. Truthfully, it's just is just building genuine relationships and just making introductions that feel like it would go somewhere based on what you know about both parties. You know, I make it a very intuitive thing and try to take away, um, try to take away the, tr I try not to make it such a clearly defined process because oftentimes you'll miss some very obvious good fits that are right in front of you, you know? And is there a special training that, for example, your teammates also undergo, or do they also have it a more intuitive way? Because you caught, I think there is some form of training, I would suppose, mm -hmm. to all of this, or, you know, that differentiates you. What's... Yeah, I think the training that we, that we, so first of all, other than Marty, who I know from my previous job, who just kind of gets it in this, he understands my vision. Um, other than Marty, I will not hire anyone with a recruiting background because I don't want for them to have learned 
you know, I don't want for them to have to unlearn things mm. that I, that I don't really mesh with my business model. So to your point, you know, in that case, it would require much deeper training if I had to like teach them how to unlearn bad behavior. Yeah. Um, so when we hire people, we look for people who understand two, we look for two things. Number one, they have to be passionate about crypto yeah. period. It has to be, they have to be just as passionate about crypto as the people that we place. Right. Number two, they have to just be good at building relationships and just have that natural, um, tendency to build strong relationships. And the reason being our recruiting process is, is not like we're sitting there with a the notebook and we're yeah. asking like these technical questions, we're writing down the answers and we're comparing notes and no, it really like what we don't do is we don't have a job description and then we go find, find candidates and recruit them for that job. That's not how we do it. We, like I said, our business model is more like a sports agent, right? So we look to sign the top talent first and then allow them to try out for the teams they want to play for. So the process is really just reaching out to people and introducing ourselves and our business, telling them what we can offer instead of pitching a certain job, right? So when that initial conversation happens with the candidates, the job of the recruiter is not to sell him a position. It's to just build a relationship there and yeah. then and then show him, share with him the clients that we have and what we can offer and let let the candidate, him or her, excuse me, let the candidate determine where they want to go and just follow his or her lead. I think that's the important piece. I think you uh, outlined a very interesting flaw, which I kind of noticed maybe even with Web2 that a lot of recruiters may be looking just for the keywords or just trying to match technically the people to a company, like, like you said, through Notebook and Notebook which leaves the company with a lot of kind of like robotic people that are not really passionate, but just they're matched by keywords, which then eventually long-term results in a loss for the company because maybe they will not be as passionate and the productivity will go down. And then and the way you're doing it, the companies who work with you, they're going to get a far longer term vision as the people are in for the long haul. So I think that's pretty insane that you guys do it this way as well. 100% man, 100%. It's about listening to people. It's about sometimes, you know, especially when you're dealing with, uh, you know, founders of crypto companies who oftentimes are young and have never built a company before. Sometimes they're saying things that they think are, are, are true or, or it, they think like this is the way to approach it. But yeah. really, it's great when I build a relationship with them to where they listen to me as the expert on hiring. And I guess, for example, like, you know, um, they might say, Hey, like I need two years of this specific technology. Right. And then I show them five people that have two years of this specific technology, but yeah. I'll tell them that, you know, I don't think the vision of these candidates really aligns with your vision. I don't think, you know, the culture of these candidates really aligns with your culture, but here's a guy with, or a girl with one, one and a half, 1.5 years of experience rather than two that really not checks, you know, these five boxes of intangible reasons why I think they match up with your culture and what you're building. So I would recommend that you would actually be flexible on the years of experience on the technical side and take into consideration these other factors that I think you will appreciate in the long run, um, based on what I'm hearing you say, right? Yeah. 
So a lot of times that's how we get these deals done is by um, kind of presenting alternative uh, solutions when maybe they don't see it sometimes. Oh, that's a good point. I, th I don't know what age category you guys are recruiting mainly for, but I think the younger an individual is, the more malleable he or she is then. And then they can soak up like a sponge all the information that needs to be there instead of, you know, having two years of experience, but not the want to soak up more information. So that's also very important. That's why I think uh, young people do very well also in sales if they're really inclined to learning more because they're so malleable in this sphere. Or for anything, be it coding or developing, I think in any sphere, not just yeah, sales. Of course, man. I mean, look, I'm 35. Bro. I got the I got a bunch of grays in here, so it's not about age. Like I like I'm, you know, there's and, and Marty is around my age too. So there's definitely some um, more experienced people who get it as well. But yeah. the reality is, the longer you have in the workforce, likely you've already developed habits that you yeah. don't really want to change or see a reason for changing and it's not my it's not my job to change to change those things about you it is what it is you know yeah i totally agree so what are the most demanded roles right now then in the space that you've um, noticed yeah i like i would say right now it's it's definitely on the engineering side um yeah. just because when we're in the bear market we're in a we're in a building phase um rather than a growth phase yeah, uh, not a lot of people are spending money these days um, in in the space. So it feels like growth roles like marketing and biz dev and sales are not necessarily going to be worth the investment on the founder side. If yeah, the 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 um, the candidate won't be able to produce results based on the condition of the market. What about like analysts? Um. Not really, not no. not uh, at this time. I'm I'm not seeing it. I mean, there's trading volume in general has gone down yeah. tremendously. Um, so yeah, I'm not seeing too much of a need for analysts. Maybe though, maybe within um, tradfi organizations that are building out crypto teams, yeah. that might be a place where analysts are being hired right now. But my clients are pretty much all crypto native at this point. Yeah. Is it hard to find uh, good developers? I mean, I've heard that it is, but how do you guys go about that? Of course, man. It's course. You know, what I realized about good developers is if you can't find good developers, it's because they don't want to be found, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so it, it's not about searching in the deepest, darkest corners of the internet. Yeah. That's not how you find these people. Even if you do find them, they're just not going to respond to you they're, they're clearly hiding in this corner of the internet because they don't want to deal with you. Right. Um, so the answer is yes. And what I believe is the way to overcome that is to build a personal brand for myself and my company that's strong enough to where they'll want to come out of their hole to talk to me because they actually think I have something to offer. So that's kind of my approach there. Did you guys have any success on, uh, on that already? We did. <laughs> okay, good. We've had so, a lot of success, yes. Well, that, yeah, that leads on to the next kind of topic of like, what are some notable collaborations or recruitments you guys had? Oof. Um, yeah, I, I'll, I'll, a couple of the deals that I'm, I'll say I'm most proud of recently, um, I placed the first sales guy at Matrixport in the US. His name is Kyle. That was a, a really, really, uh, a really powerful deal that I'm really proud of. And the reason why I'm so proud of that one is because Kyle is such a, um, he, he's such a, he's got a, such a high ceiling. 
that I think it's such a win and he's such a good project for the matrix port, uh, C level team to develop. And his, like I said, um, his potential and his ceiling is just so high that I think combining with the experience that that team has to offer, I mean, he's going to excel tremendously over there, um, and be a great asset to matrix Sport. but also matrix Sport is a great asset to him because they're going to be able to provide this training that he definitely needs to, to achieve, uh, to achieve those certain levels. So I'm excited about that one. Another one that I'm really excited about is, um, Lauren Richmond at Dflow. She was formerly doing business development at Amber data, which is a crypto data company and is now the head of marketing at Dflow, which is a really, really cool project doing payment for order flow on DeFi. So I'm really proud of that deal as well. Cause I think, for her making that transition from BD to marketing is going to be very powerful. Um, Congratulations. I also placed, yeah. Thank you, man. A couple of quick other ones. I placed the head of research at matrix port as well. <clears throat> Gentleman in, out of Singapore and, um, community manager at sin which, which was my first community role. Yeah. Really proud of that one. Um, and recently also I placed the lead BD guy, at Eclipse, which is a ZK rollup. Um, and the candidate was the enterprise BD lead for Chainlink. Oh, wow. Quite a switch. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, man. And these people, they're coming then to you or did you reach out to them? Like, how, how did that all, how did the click happen? You know, it's funny. Three out of four of those people that I mentioned were just like friends that I have in my network from just being in crypto, literally just people that I knew and talked to very frequently already, just as friends in the space. Yeah. And I just kind of got their job and I said, Oh, like this would be good for Kyle. This would be good for Lauren, you know? And yeah. it, and it works out like that. And it really speaks to the, the power of genuine relationships. Um, because they, it, it helps if I, if I'm really close, if I really have a close relationship with these people, I understand better what they can offer a company and I'm able to pitch them more accurately, you know, for the right jobs because I actually know them. Yeah. It makes sense. And I think networks are so important regardless of anything, you know, if you create a very strong circle of individuals around you or within the circle that you're building, it's, it's the things that you can do with them, but also provide others with it's, it's unimaginable, I think. And that's also, not just it creating this community. And I think that's what, what web three does very well is kind of creating this community incentives where people come together and get to know each other so that they can kind of help each other up here and there where they can. hundred percent. Um, so how do you build the long lasting relationships with clients? What are some little tips or insights on that? Um, hmm. I think, I think, like number one, just, I, I think the number one thing is just to be genuine. I mean, yeah. to, I think to build a, to, to, to feel like you have a relationship with someone, a real relationship with someone you need to, you need the most important thing is to feel like you understand that person and what they're about. Gotcha. And if someone's kind of putting up a, a facade or an image or just hiding, it feels like they're hiding something about themselves then I don't feel like I really know you and mm -hmm. I don't really want to open up myself to you 
Um, and so we're never going to have that kind of connection that we would have if, if we're both being our authentic selves. And um, me, I've never been scared to like be open about anything really about me. So I'm usually the first one to kind of start that process of revealing, you know, personal information maybe or insecurities or saying, Hey, I, I don't understand. Hey, founder, I actually don't really understand what you just said about your project. Can you repeat it in a, in a different way and maybe yeah. help me, maybe slow it down for me to learn. Right. So yeah. just being comfortable in your own skin to open up and be your true self will expose, you know, what you're really about and allow people to connect to you. And I will say, you know, doing the content for me has been great for that because before people meet me sometimes for the first time, they've seen my videos or they've seen my posts. So you can kind of get a general sense of what I'm about based on the content. And it's really cool to have people kind of feel like they already know what to talk to me about, you know? Yeah. For example, yeah. I just met um, one of my candidates in real life um, at a happy hour we threw last week or earlier this week. I'm sorry. And he said, he said, Hey man, he's like, I've been waiting to ask you this. He's like, I've been wanting to ask you this. Who are your top five rappers? <laughs> I'm like, what? But it made perfect sense because he watched my videos. He sees the biggie on the wall, right? Yeah. So he kind of gets what I'm about. He sees my haircut and he figured this is a cool topic for us to talk about. And I enjoyed it, you know? Yeah. I think, uh, yeah, genuity goes such a long way. And I think that's something maybe in corporate world, you do kind of lack that there is this facade and mask. And there, if you don't understand something where a founder says something too technical, you're going to be looked down on. I mean, I'm not going to lie for myself, even when something gets too technical, you know, not on these podcasts, but once in a while in the beginning, it was like tough to go like, yo, what does this actually mean? Because you're kind of in the game and you're supposed to have some standard, but Later down the path, I'm like, yo, but what does it mean? Can you explain it? I'll learn it, but then next time I'll know at least, and I'm not going to act as if I know it. Yeah, you know what's what's the key there is knowing what you are good at. Like, I, I, I'm comfortable asking about some sort of technical intricacy about one of my clients' like projects. Yeah. I'm comfortable asking because it's true. I don't know this point that I'm inquiring about, but... I definitely know for damn sure how to provide you with amazing talent, fill your jobs, introduce you to people in my network who could be customers or partners. Um, you know, I know exactly what I need to do to be good at my job. Yeah. And my line of questioning will demonstrate that I'm asking for that information that I need to do my job. Nothing more, nothing less, you know, and that makes them feel comfortable that makes them feel like, okay, I can trust this guy. Number one, he's honest about what he knows and what he doesn't know. And number two, he's, he's clearly walking in the right direction. So if I just provide that clarity, we're going to get to the end goal together. I think this is something maybe that gives you a step ahead of maybe your competition where your genuity brings you more valuable connections with not only clients, but also employers. And that links in with the next thing that I want to talk about is how do you deal with competition? And I think that's one of the ways you do, but what other things that you um, compete with or use to compete with? Yeah. I just being honest with you, brother, like it, 
and I'm so far ahead of the competition that I, I don't think about them. I don't see them. They're not on my radar. That's for real. But um, two things on that, though, I'll say how I approach this subject is, number one, I'm constantly doing something innovative, right? I'm constantly building on the last cool idea that I had, like yeah. the Twitter spaces, AMAs, like that's kind of the most recent cool idea. Like the Discord was the first idea, right? To like build my own community. First, first the idea was to build my own brand through content and posting and all that. Yeah. Then you build your own community in the Discord. Now I'm doing, expanding my community onto Twitter and having interactive sessions to where they're actually meeting the clients, right? So this is all kind of building on the last thing. And by the time competition catches up to the Discord, I'm four steps ahead already. You know, that's number one. Number two is I don't think about it as I need to, you know, I think in Web2 or in TradFi, like companies, you know, in, in the corporate in the corporate world, as, as you might say, companies feel like they're racing to capture all of the market. And yeah. so what they do is they, they, they hire aggressively without quality and they don't really care too much about the people because they're, they become replaceable. As long as you have an army of people that are helping you, you know, capture X amount of more percentage of the market share, then we feel like we're doing well. I, I don't think like that. I think that builds bad culture. It, build, it, it encourages a, a high turnover rate and a lot of, you know, the corporate structure issues that we all are running away from and the reason why most of us are here in Web3. So eventually there will be legit competition and I don't feel like I need to hold any certain percent of the market to be dominant in my world like what I, my goal is is my goal is not to be the biggest recruiter in crypto by the way my goal is to have the best network in crypto and use it for the most things so number one it's quality the best quality network in crypto and use it for the most things so if you're just a recruiter brother i'm doing three or four other things as it relates to introductions within my network cap intros um you know fund of funds uh, um, investing in, in traders to start their own hedge funds. Like, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm really not thinking about it as capturing all of the recruiting dollars yeah. each month. I'm thinking about it as I want to have the best network. And within that network, you cannot compete with me in this, in this space. So you're yeah. not going to beat me with my own clients. It's not going to happen. No, you know? and, and to some degree, you know, you're kind of just creating your own lane, which you want to drive on and being versatile on, you know, other opportunities, because I think if you get too greedy, trying to capture everything, you just kind of start slacking off with the other things. And then it just goes downhill from there. Yeah, I mean, I think if you're greedy, and you're focused, you uh, on one thing, you get that tunnel vision, and yeah. you start to miss other opportunities of growth that are organic, easy, and right in front of you. You know, but you're stuck trying to you're, you're being defensive right now. Sometimes that kind of growth is you're 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 defending yourself against competition. Right. That's that's a scarcity versus abundance mindset. I, we have the abundance mm -hmm. mindset, you know? Yeah. I mean, you're also in a space where there's abundance, right? Everything changes so quickly. 
that one week is this trend, then is the other trend, you made 10 more connections, so you have 10 more opportunities. I think you can't have a scarcity mindset in this field. There's too much money a anyways. No, you're right, man. And, that, and that's the other thing is that like, there's enough money to go around for I, I don't I, I don't, I can't make every every placement in in crypto every month. But yeah. I my goal is to make the, the best placements. I want the and quality ones. Yeah, I want the quality one placements, you know, yeah, like they say, quite uh, quality over quantity, right? That's it. Always. Um, so what's your uh, outlook on the crypto industry in the coming year or so? How do you think? How are you gonna stay on top of what's in there? How do you stay on top of what's going on? Because there's a lot that's going on. So essentially, you probably use your network. How how will you evolve yourself into capturing those market trends and opportunities? Well, I mean, that's a good question. Um, obviously, there's a lot going on. Like I said, the thing about me is I don't I don't pretend to be involved in everything that's going on, and I, I don't necessarily want to, right? Yeah. Um, Luckily, before this whole market crash happened, I had been already focused on DeFi. And like yeah. I said before, I do. It seems like DeFi is going to be winning right now because it seems like the companies that are hiring for the most part seems to be DeFi projects that have recently raised a ton of money yeah. and are in a growth position where they can take advantage of some of the top talent that's coming into the market. So I was kind of already positioned really well for this um for this DeFi thing so uh i i definitely i definitely see that continuing and hopefully you know eventually vcs will start spending money and investing more in in, in other projects and you know we'll continue on from there but um so but, sorry, what, what was the rest of the question no but no no you 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 answered pretty well and i think you kind of just pick a niche because there's so much going on and then you just I think that's what I've heard many times from people around in this space that you just have to choose a niche because there's so much within the niche. But I'm not sure. Did you guys ever touch upon GameFi? Because I know that's also a huge kind of upcoming uh, sector uh, or not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we have some. I mean, we, we, we are interested in gaming for sure. We have a couple of gaming adjacent projects. I mean, one of our best friends or clients, you could call it in the industry, is Stardust, who's uh, like a gaming infrastructure company. Yeah, um, we've, we've supported a couple of gaming guilds before, which we really enjoy. Um, and so, yeah, I, I haven't worked on any actual games yeah. specifically, but definitely gaming infrastructure projects we think are really interesting and will continue to support it. So we're not like only DeFi to where we won't take on any other. Yeah, business, of course. Yeah. But I do think we have a super strong hold on the top DeFi projects in the space and mm. that's where we are putting our e energy and you know kind of eggs in those baskets during this time for sure fair no loud and clear are there is there anything when running up top that went against your expectations um <laughs> how good it would be <laughs> I, I honestly the whole thing like i mean this whole thing has been such a journey with up top um yeah. i really don't even know where to begin on asking that question i mean when i started up top i thought we were just gonna do quants like that <laughs> for crypto hedge funds i kind of thought we were just gonna only stay there um and to see where we've come in such a short period of time it shocks me still every day um when people recognize the brand 
before even, you know, speaking to me or meeting me, like they know about it at first. That's still shocking to me. But um, I guess to give you something like a little more tangible. Um, yeah, you know what? I'll tell you. I'll tell you one thing, one of the most shocking things. And I, I, I've said this before, but I'll say it again. Start when I first started to meet VCs right, and, and, and form real relationships with the portfolio companies. I found it very interesting when I started to learn about the process of how VCs go about selecting companies they want to invest in. Mm -hmm. I don't know why I would have assumed that it was something very structured and defined. Like, it ha you know, a project has to meet XYZ criteria and then we'll invest. It it's very much more intuitive than that. And it literally most of the time feels like VC meets the project or gets introduced, takes a meeting, and then asks all their friends around town, like, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? And based on, like, those conversations is a huge determining factor on whether they invest millions into a company. That was really, really shocking to me. Do you think maybe they do that because there's an abundance of capital so they can afford to do that? Uh, no, I think they do that because I mean, it, and I guess the more I think about it, I understand it and it makes sense. It, they, they do that because, you know, money is power, right? So the VCs have money, they have yeah. power and that attracts like that power kind of attracts quality people in your network that you work with or partner with in one way or the other. Mm -hmm. Um, and when you build that network of like powerful, like legit players in the space. I mean, they really have some good insight to offer you on these projects, you know? Um, like for example, I just mentioned Stardust, who's a gaming infrastructure client that I, I really, really respect. And, and I and think they're building something really dope. I just got pitched a deck from another gaming adjacent company. They're building like something, a product where they're like aggregating all gaming communities into one, one platform and I, I didn't completely understand it. So I sent it to Stardust and I said, Hey, you guys are the gaming experts. What do you think about this project? Yeah. And so, it, you know, it makes sense, but just to think like that is how a lot of these deals get made. A lot of these investments get made is by just asking around within your network. Just interesting, you know? Yeah. I mean, it goes back to what you said. If you have a strong network, then not only do you have opportunities, but also reliable kind of, uh, hands that can help you out. I mean, I don't know how it works on in web two, for example, and just traditional corporate, if they do it the same way, but I was always thinking they would do that just because they have more capital in, in web three, but I guess maybe it's not the case fully because as far as we know from the FTX collapse, a lot of these VCs, they also got burnt because their funds were also on FTX, you know, to what degree, you know, did they take responsibility of bring it to non-custodial wallets as well? So it's like, Maybe their research is just not as thorough. I, I wouldn't know. Well, but. Look, there's good VCs and bad VCs. Not, you know, not every, not everyone is up to the bar of framework ventures. Shout out to you guys. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, let's have a little um, convo about, you know, getting into working into crypto. Do you think uh, school degrees are still necessary or do you think these developers can run it up through self-education or is that also just an anomaly type of case? You know, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't start like massive dropping out of school right now. I definitely think there's value to 
yeah. education for sure. Um, whether you get it at school or on your own, that's to be, you know, to be determined. But I would say the people who drop out of school and get good jobs, they're doing something very, very right independently. And they're, they clearly have a, a path, a defined path that they're, that they're walking in and very high skill levels to warrant this path that they're taking. So I don't yeah. recommend it for everyone. And I think even people with extremely solid skill sets benefit from having an education as well. And I do definitely do think that founders and companies still value the structure that you get from not only having an education, but even sometimes working in a corporate environment or a corporate job. So, you know, if, if that, that definitely does hold some weight on a resume that you've successfully completed a decent tenure in a structured job makes me feel as the person hiring you more comfortable that you're going to be, that you know how to behave yourself as an employee of a, you know, reputable organization. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, we can talk about anomalies that build projects and got hundreds of thousands of users or even, you know, tens of thousands of users, but again, they're only the minority. But I'm pretty sure they are also quite reputable and can be taken in for positions at uh, corporations. But what are the common mistakes you see people make when trying to apply for roles? What are the what are common mistakes I see people? Um, hmm. What are common mistakes when people apply for roles? Um, Maybe they over overestimate themselves or don't have enough experience in the place they're trying to apply to. Common mistakes. I don't know. I don't, I don't know that I have like a, a, a great answer for that off the top of my head. To be honest with you. Sorry. No, that's fair enough. Me. That's fair enough. I mean, I covered everything that, uh, interested me. And I think you kind of summarize what you guys do very well. And, um, had a very nice chat. And if you have any final words for anyone trying to get into the industry or companies trying to hire, I'm more than uh, happy to hear that as well. Yeah, man. I think, uh, I think I have one good piece of advice that is probably worth sharing to your audience. Um, I think it's something that I've learned over this last year of starting from zero um, and getting to where I'm at right now as far as my network, which I'm really, really proud of. Um, and, you know, I would say I was thinking back the other day on my first crypto event, my first party that I went to. And it's funny because this what I'm about to tell you also kind of applies to when you're, you know, first entering into like an online community as well, be it a discord server or Twitter space or something like that. But I remember entering this first party and not knowing what to wear like feeling very intimidated, not knowing how to act really, and, and walking into the room and seeing that um, everyone already kind of knows each other, right? Because they've been in the crypto space for a while. It's a small world. You see everyone very comfortable and social with each other, and you feel like the outsider who doesn't know where to start and doesn't know anything, right? And a mistake I made that night that I won't, that I will not make again is trying to... Now, also remember that I spent couple thousand dollars to be at this conference right in Miami I bought the plane ticket hotel I brought my 
my co-founder Marty with us. So you get to this party and you're thinking, all right, I need to like make sure I get the maximum return on the money that I spent. So what's the maximum return? I need to meet the most people and hopefully I get the best results. So you go around the room and you look kind of crazy introducing yourself to everyone, pitching everyone in the room, having the same conversation over and over again. And a lot of times it's just not really the vibe, you know? And so what I realize is, and this is a good piece of advice for anyone who's building their network is just go to make one friend. Like if I was giving myself advice that night, it would be just walk into that party and try to make one friend. Why? Because forming one real strong, genuine relationship compared to pitching 150 people that don't really respect it and it's not in the time is going to be so much more valuable because why you're going to see that person again at the next party. They're going to introduce you to three, four of their friends, right? That they already know in the space. And that's how real relationships grow exponentially. So if you walk away from your first crypto party or event with one friend, you didn't do anything wrong. I, I did that and I felt like I failed. I did not fail. It was, it was really, really good. And um, to, on that note, same principle applies when you walk in, when you enter a discord chat, don't, you know, shill yourself and try to pitch everyone in the room. Say, Hey guys, like, how's it going? I'm here. This is me. Meet one person and engage directly with one person. They will help you. And if they can't help you, they'll introduce you to someone who can help. That's how the crypto community is. Um, they're a wonderful, welcoming, friendly, supportive group of people. Um, that I'm so proud to be, you know, one of, of the bunch here. Um, I'm humbled by everything that the community has given us and done for us and just hope to uh, be, you know, someone who reciprocates as much as possible back to the people who definitely changed my life and, and that the life of my team and some of the candidates that I placed to. I really appreciate these words, man. It's, uh, it's really good advice. And I hope everyone at listening to this is going to take this and uh, make use of it. Dan, thank you very much. I wish you guys at up top utmost uh, success in this sphere. And I'm pretty sure you're going to kick the ball pretty far as you've already done and do only further and further big things. My brother, thanks for having me, bro. I'll see you on the Discord. I'll see you on the Twitter. Yes, sir. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Stay up. Yes, sir. I'll link you guys through. Have a great day. Take care.